good to be together with you this weekend. And today we are actually finishing a series that we started last week on Fearless. We're going to jump in on that here in a second. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to uh, remind those of you that are new with us, we are so thankful, let you know that uh, we are so grateful to be together with you. And at the end of the service, we'd love to give you that gift for being with us. I really don't want you to leave without it. So go to the back of the room, uh, take the connect card that's in front, of, in the seat back of the chair in front of you and give it to the host and they'd love to give you a gift for being with us. And we want to do something uh, uh, with you and let you know how much we appreciate spending this time, not just with you, but also everyone online. We're so grateful for you. And uh, they told you that if you're new with us online, we we also have a gift for you, and they're posting a way that you can get that gift now uh, if you're new with us online. Hey, Westside, let's let everyone that's online and those that are new with us in the room, let them know how grateful we are to share this moment with them. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Now, I forgot to tell you about something earlier. Uh, this Friday night, we are kicking off the one series that we're starting next week in a night of worship. And so Friday night, 7 p.m., in this room, we're gonna come together. And I believe that these nights of worship are so important because it's through prayer and, and, and what we're gonna do in prayer that we, I believe, are seeding, the, we're preparing the way for what God wants to do in our hearts and through our church in the months to come. So if you have a heart to pray, if you have a heart just to deepen your faith or see our church and our family grow in our faith, this is an opportunity for us to come together, pray and worship together, kick off this series one this Friday night at 7 p.m. Now, last week, we looked at how Jesus addressed people who were afraid. We looked at a specific sequence of events where Jesus addresses uh, certain people who are afraid. He, he addressed uh, specifically, he addressed the fears of his disciples. He then addressed the fear of a demoniac that he had. He also addressed the fears of a city who responded to what Jesus did to the demoniac and setting him free. We saw Jesus address the fear of a woman who suffered a lifelong embarrassing Ill illness we saw Jesus address a religious leader's fear. But it was what Jesus did with this religious leader who had found out that his fear came true, his daughter had died, and what Jesus said to him was really what, where we landed last week. And, and if you've, maybe you've been in a moment, and maybe not to where your child had died, and uh, you, you haven't had to deal with that grief that several people, even in this room, have, a, have had to deal with. But maybe you've dealt, uh, like I've dealt with, just the fear of losing a child. Maybe you can relate with this religious leader who he actually came to Jesus in fear that he could and would possibly lose his child to death. See, losing a child is a fear that I think every one of us as parents, we, we can relate with because we've had those moments where we've been afraid. And, and, when, and, and in this moment, Jesus looks at this religious leader, and this is where we were last week. Jesus looks at this religious leader who, who had this fear, and his fear came true. When he got to the house with this religious leader, the people around this religious leader in, that were in the home, they said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. And his worst fear came true in that moment. It was in that moment that Jesus would say these words with skeptics all around him. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid, Jairus. Just believe. 
And then we read last week how Jesus would go into the room. He would go in there with Jairus and he wouldn't allow any of the skeptics to go in. He would only take James, Peter, and John. And the author of life would reach out his hand and with his hand, he would also speak words just like he would speak to the winds and the waves previously and silence them. Just like he would speak to the demonic forces in a demon, in this demonic force that would just torture this man and they would escape and he would conquer that. And just like he would speak to a woman who had suffered an embarrassing lifelong illness and heal her. Same words came from the author of life as he reached out his hand and he grabbed the daughter and said, little girl, get up. Don't be afraid. Just believe. We saw how powerful that was when Jesus conquered death in that girl with just the power of his words. And he previously looked at his disciples, Jairus there. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I mean, that sounds so easy, doesn't it? I mean, just believe. I mean, it's up on the, the door. Just believe right before you go out. Just believe. <laughs> Hit it as you go out. Hit the sign. <laughs> just believe. It, you know, it, it's as if belief is this magic wand that we can employ at any moment of impossibility. And it works and makes things better for us. <laughs> it's just this very God mother wand that just believe. Sounds so easy. But we've all had moments, you've had those moments where when you believed, the circumstances didn't turn out the way you wanted. You believed. <laughs> you did your best to do what we did a couple weeks ago, to flip our worry into worship, flip what if into what is, but what if turned into what is. And that was a moment that you were not ready for. It's actually what you feared the most. And what you feared would happen and could happen did happen. It came true. And it appeared that your belief, your faith, it didn't work for you. Don't be afraid. Just believe. No, Casey, I've been there. I've done that. And it did not work for me. What happens to you and what happens to your faith? I'm going to ask you something that's so serious. What happens to your faith in that moment when your faith and in, in, in your prayers of faith for healing don't seem to move Jesus' hand to reach out in your situation or don't seem to reach out to your loved one? What happens when your prayers for a job or for a financial miracle, it doesn't lead God to make that miracle happen and it feels like it's, your prayer is even falling on deaf ears? What happens to your faith in those moments when you trust in your trust in God, it just doesn't work for you? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Yeah, I've tried that. Now I want you to remember that tension from the moments in life maybe you've had. And I want you to hold on to that. And, and because I want you to hold on to what you felt when what you believed for didn't work out for you. Now, last week, we mentioned something. It's really important about what we read in scripture in this word believe. 
See, believe comes from this original word, pisteovo, and, and, and this word, pisteovo, is a, comes from a root, and it's a derivative of the root, pistis. And that word, pistis, is important in, our, in, our, in, in, the, in the New Testament because that word is what we translate into one of three English words throughout the whole, all the New Testament as faith, as belief, and as trust. We interpret this in three different English words, and it's all coming from the same one root word, pistis. And, and we, here's, the, here's the problem, and just in interpretation, okay? And it's not a problem with the translators. The translators, I think, do an amazing job of capturing what these words mean into the, like what it meant to the original audience and how they best translate into our language, English language today and age. But here's what happens in, uh, with the problem of having these three words in a modern day to where we differentiate between these three words. We have a difference of definition and an understanding of these three words. Now here's the problem. See, we make the differentiation between faith and trust. We, we see it, we, we act as if there's a difference in there. See, many people, well, many people say, I have faith in God. And, and what they're saying is, I think God exists. I think Jesus is real. I know God is real. I believe that he is real. But do they have faith in him to trust? in him. See, there's a difference between I know this chair can hold me up and to trusting and putting my weight into that chair to hold me up. And whenever you've prayed, whenever you prayed and you didn't get what you wanted or you hoped for, or you don't get what you think that you deserved or you think someone else deserved, what you do next in those moments is the test of whether your trust, whether your belief, whether your faith is true. It's the test of your trust in God. And if you've gone through a faith crisis, maybe you've gone through a crisis of your faith where, where the, that you, uh, you, or maybe you're in a faith crisis right now. Maybe you're here today and you're just saying, God, just one last resort, because my faith is shot. I've been through so much. I believed I did that. It didn't work out for me. See, maybe it's highly possible that you've had a moment like this in your life, a moment when you saw someone suffer what they didn't deserve and you thought God should have done something instead. A moment when you thought you should have got what you wanted or you should have got something you deserved, but God didn't give that to you. It's in that moment right there that, 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 that at that moment that God didn't meet your expectations. And maybe it's that moment that you stopped trusting in him. See, to believe or to have faith is to trust in Jesus. You need to understand that this is what this means. There is no difference in these. And, and uh, to, to believe or to have faith is to trust. And trust happens when you don't get what you want. According to the first century disciples, these first century disciples who heard Jesus claim to be God, who also saw Jesus prove that he was God, not just through his miracles, but through the most ultimate miracle, his own resurrection. They knew something. They knew something about your faith. They knew something about my faith. 
that your faith is the most important thing you have. Your faith is the most important thing to you. See, wealth and uh, what you can acquire, or your house and your goods, your car, that's not as important as your faith. Your health is not as important as your faith. A relationship with your parents or a relationship with your spouse or your kids is not as important as your faith in Jesus. Your job situation is not as important as your faith in Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, this unknown writer, we don't know who this was, but we know that this was passed so much around the first century church that they trusted in this writer and what he wrote about Jesus. And the writer of Jesus said something about your faith and my faith. The writer said this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without pistis, without trust, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe, must, pe, must pisteovo, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. See, because anyone comes to God, let me just repeat it, who comes to God must believe, must trust that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek whatever they want in life. No, earnestly seek him. See, your faith is the most important thing you have. And can I ask you something? Can you trust that God wants to reward you when you seek him? And not reward you necessarily with whatever you want or whatever you think is right or whatever you think you deserve. Because God wants to reward you with something greater. See, God rewards those who pursue him not for what he can do, for who he is. And this is hard for us because God is not a means to your ends. God is not a means to whatever I want in life. And we treat God as that. We only come to him when we're in need. We only come to him when we really want something to go our way. And all he is is this God with a magic wand in our minds who can do, just believe, don't fear. And in this, see, our problem is we only pursue God when we want something or need something from him. But can you trust in him? Can you trust in him even though he may not give you your answer that you prayed for? Can you trust him? And can you t- continue to trust him even when you don't get what you want or think you deserve? See, your faith when there's a gap in expectation because you want, you, and it's not wrong to pray this, but in that gap until the prayer is answered or you're sure it wasn't answered, what you do in that is so important. Your faith is the most important thing you have. And the reason is this, is because trust is the foundation to any relationship, especially your relationship with God. Your trust, to not trust a friend is really to have lost a part of your relationship. You've lost trust in a friend, you've lost that relationship. To not trust your spouse is to have, to lost trust in your spouse is to, to lose a, a relationship, to have a part of your relationship die in that moment. See, to lose trust is to lose your relationship. 
And this is so true with God. And whenever your spouse is late, see, from work, there's this, there's this expectation. This is how it works out. See, it's all about expectations and deliver. It's what you expect. And in that moment, there's a gap between what you expect and what actually happens. Like when, you're, when your spouse is late from work or late from the store, or shopping spree, whatever it might be, and, 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 and they don't text. You remember that? And you have this opportunity in this gap because there's a gap from when they tell you, either they arrive or they text you. There's this gap. And what you do to, to, with that gap is so important. See, in that gap lies the test of your relationship. You can either fill that gap with skepticism or you can fill that gap with trust. And love, as 1 Corinthians 13 would tell us, love always, always fills the gap with trust. See, the reason this is so important is that relationships only grow to the depth of that you trust someone. Your relationship only can grow to the depth that you trust them. It's so important to your relationship, even with God. See, when you feel, when there's an expectation you have it with God, you voice in a prayer or you voice in faith, or in, and there's a gap between that expectation being thought, voiced, or prayed, and that actually happening or not happening, there's a gap. And what you fill with that gap determines if your relationship grows or your, your relationship erodes. And in that moment, when we fill the gap with trust, with God, our relationship grows. This is how it works with our friends, with our spouse, with our kids, with our parents, with our boss. Then This is especially how it works in our relationship with God. See, your relationship with God can only grow to the depth that you trust him in that gap. See, your trust in God is tested. Your trust in God is tested when you don't get what you want or what you think you deserve. That's when your trust is tested. When you don't get what you want or what you think that you deserve. See, when you pray, but don't get what you want, or you pray and you don't get what you think you deserve, what are you gonna do in that moment? What are you gonna do in that gap? Will you fill this gap with trust or will you abandon trust altogether? Now, last week I said something that, I wanna repeat again today. See, a trust that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. A faith that you don't allow and you don't submit to the crucible of testing. You cannot trust that faith that you cannot tr trust to go through a test itself because a trust or a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And we need to be okay with our faith being tested. We need to be okay with going through times where there's going to be a gap and we've gotta trust God anyway. We've got to trust God even when we don't get what we want, but we can trust in his will. We must be okay with our faith being tested because we need to accept that our trust needs to be tested. Just as God tested the disciples' faith in the boat, he's going to test our faith. And when your trust in God endures through the testing, your trust or your faith grows God will use these gaps of life to grow your trust in him, to deepen your faith, to strengthen your relationship with him. And that's what faith is. See, faith is trusting in who Jesus is and hoping in what Jesus can do, even when I don't get what I want. 
or what I think I deserve. See, faith is trusting in who Jesus is and his love for you, even when you don't get what you want. That's faith. That's true faith. This is the gap where your trust endures or your trust erodes. And when you pray and you expect God to do something and because you you pray and then he doesn't answer your prayers, what you do is so important to continue to trust. And if you do, that's when the true test is proven and your endurance is strengthened. See, true faith is trusting in God when his answers Don't match your request. In his book, Sacred Parenting, Gary Thomas said this. He says, faith is not the power to get whatever we want. It's the power to accept whatever we've been given. Powerful. See, true faith is not the the faith that moves mountains. True faith is to accept that it wasn't God's will for the mountain to be moved, to accept whatever God's will is for you or your loved one, that's true faith. It's when trust, it's when your trust is the deepest and that's when your faith is the strongest. When you pray for healing, but healing doesn't come, yet you still stand trusting in God. When the season of life is difficult and you pray for relief, but relief doesn't come, yet you still trust in him, your faith endures, your faith strengthens. It's when the hits just keep on coming and you can say, not my way, but your will. That's when your faith is strengthened. See, it is in difficult and hard times when our trust in God is tested and strengthened. This is when your trust Your faith grows. And the bad thing is, we don't like that. (laughs) In fact, can I just be so bold? Especially us Americans. We're afraid of suffering. We are. We fear suffering more than we fear many, many other things. And, and we love reading the stories like we read about last week. We, we love reading those stories where the winds and the waves fall at Jesus' feet, where, where, where the demonic forces submit, when the woman with the issue of blood is healed and we see the dead man or the dead girl raised back to life through the impossible. We can read those stories and say, yes, I won't be afraid. I do believe. But it's in the difficult and the hard times that we don't want. That's when your trust in God grows and is strengthened. Now, the apostle John he was, he was there with Peter, James, whenever Jesus went, it took them all the way even to the room with Jairus, his daughter, that we read last week. And he records the words Jesus speaks the night before he goes to the cross. And in John 16, Jesus gives his disciples the game plan for what is to come. And this is what Jesus says, John records it. He says, all this I've told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, (laughs) the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember. When When their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you but I am telling, going to him who sent me. And I would be thinking as a disciple, I know why you didn't tell me at the beginning, because I would not be with you now. Have you ever been in one of those moments 
when you thought to yourself, what on earth did I just get myself into? Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those moments for the disciples. This is one of those moments. <laughs> what on earth did I just get myself into? Jesus, yeah, this is what Jesus was preparing them for. So Jesus, you're saying that um, they are going to kill us. I thought we were uh, about ready to overthrow the government. This is not the plan we had. This is not what we want for our life. In fact, we thought this was something totally different, but they're going to kill us. And yet they're going to think they're offering a service to God. You're God. You've claimed this. How is that and you're, this is a warning to us? I mean, seriously, Jesus, this is a warning to not fall away or not to lose our faith or our trust when this happens. Um, check, please. Can we get out of here? That's what I'd be, right? And unfortunately, that's where many Christians with a shallow version of faith, where we all have been. The disciples then listen to Jesus as he goes on to tell them that he is going away so he can send the Holy Spirit to come and they still don't believe he's leaving. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm leaving. And in the verses to come, he says, I, you're about to grieve, but your grief will turn into joy as soon as you see me again. And then Jesus reassures his disciples and this is the way he reassures them. He says, no, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed me, that I came from God. I came from the Father and into the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. So the disciples were like confused until this moment. And they're like, Jesus, the disciples declared, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe. This makes us pisteovo that you came from God. And then Jesus turns in them. Do you now believe? Do you now piss the evil? He replies. I mean, he's like, you haven't been tested yet. How can you know you believe me? What I told you about the testing hasn't come true. You, you don't, how do you know? And, and then he goes on to say, a time is coming and in fact has come in the hours ahead. They had no clue what was going to come. When you will be scattered, each of you to your own home, you will, all, you will leave me all alone, yet, none, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things. I've told you these things. John, you might want to write these down. I don't know if he said that to him or not. I told you these things so that in me, in me, in me, not your circumstance. In me, not your prayer, not what you want to happen for you. In me, Jesus' words to the disciples. In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That word trouble is troubling. That word trouble uh, is also interpreted from the original word as distress and suffering in other parts of our New Testament. In this world, you're going to be distressed, guaranteed. And everybody of us, every one of us can say yes. In this world, you will have suffering. But in Jesus, you will have a peace in the middle of your suffering. Jesus doesn't promise freedom from suffering. Jesus promises peace when 
he, in him when we suffer. We fear suffering so much that we avoid it. And when we avoid it, our, our faith in God isn't allowed to go through the test because we are so afraid of suffering. And it's because we're so afraid of suffering and we avoid it that we don't get to experience what Jesus promises, a peace in the middle of suffering. We don't want to see our kids suffer. I get that. We don't want to see our, those we love suffer. And I get that. But the promise of peace is only when we embrace the suffering. The promise of peace only comes when we embrace the crucible of going through the difficult times where our faith is tested and strengthened and it's in those moments that God can prove to you a peace that goes beyond anything you could ever understand. So here's a big idea I wanna leave you with. You don't have to fear suffering. When you trust that in Jesus, you will have peace. You don't have to fear suffering. When you trust that in Jesus, you will have peace. Not in your circumstance going the way you want. In Jesus, you will have peace. See, the reality is in this world, we will suffer, but we will have peace when our trust is in Jesus. In this world, Jesus said, you will have suffering. You're not gonna get what you want. You're not gonna get what even you think you deserve, but take heart, have courage. Courage, isn't that what you and I need in the face of fear? Isn't this what you and I need most in the face of fear? Have courage. See, to face suffering, you need to have courage. And you can be encouraged by what Jesus has done. See, we have courage because we can trust in who Jesus is. And we can have courage because what Jesus has done. Jesus gives you the courage to face your suffering because he proved something. He proved who he is by what he did. See, Jesus is God and he has overcome the world. John, who captured Jesus' words, in me you will have peace. And in this world, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. It was John who captured these words, who saw and he watched with his own eyes, his Lord, his teacher, his friend, suffer the most brutal punishment at the hands of experts on suffering. He would watch his friend and the one he loved then die, breathe his left, last. And then John and his fellow disciples thought at that moment, death won. The world overcame Jesus. But three days later, something amazing happened. Three days later, death did not win. The world could not overcome Jesus. Jesus, the author of life, comes back alive from the dead because the spirit of God who breathes life brought life back to Jesus and he overcame the world. And it would be in that third day that the disciples knew Jesus' words were true and they would have the courage. It gave them the courage to face suffering on their own.
See, the disciples would all see suffering. They would be persecuted, imprisoned, imprisoned, and even killed, even by those that Jesus even warned about who were God-fearers. And one day, one God-fearer that was a persecutor named Paul was responsible for even killing the first, and, and, and responsible for even the first martyr we have in the scripture and acts of Stephen. And this God-fearer that thought he was doing God a service by by, by persecuting the disciples of Jesus because they, he thought Jesus was a heretic. This Paul encounters a resurrected Jesus on a road and Jesus changes Paul's life. And in this moment, this man Paul was against God and now he is for God and for Jesus. And he saw Jesus for who he was and knew what Jesus had done. And Paul would spend time with the disciples learning about the teachings of Jesus and then he would learn about the teachings of how Jesus would teach about suffering, about serving. And in this, Paul learned what Jesus taught about suffering. And Paul and all the disciples, all the disciples, embraced suffering as a way of life. Because this is what Jesus said would happen. They told Paul and Jesus that, 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 that we won't be free from suffering, but that we would have peace in suffering. See, the disciples, they learned to embrace suffering. They didn't seek out suffering, and we don't need to seek it out, but we need to learn from them that we can have the courage in the face of suffering, that we can embrace the suffering. But see, when the pain and the persecution came, they embraced it. They didn't fight it. We read about these encounters in the New Testament. And in this, we found peace and joy so much that Paul and Silas, in the middle of a prison cell, they could sing hymns to God. I could go on and on. But this is the Christian walk that is modeled for us. This is the courage the disciples have. And this is the courage we can face the sufferings of our life. We don't have to fear suffering. Because in Jesus, we can have a peace in the middle of it. This is the Christian walk. The walk you and I are called to. James, the half-brother of Jesus, would say this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith, that the testing of your trust produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You wanna be spiritually mature? You wanna grow deeper in your faith? through embracing the sufferings of life. Peter, who would write to a church who was being persecuted, he would say, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Yes, you're in the middle of persecution. Yes, you can cast all of it. He went ahead of you in his suffering and he went ahead of you and you can cast all your cares on him because he is a God who comes, cares and loves you. And be alert and a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, in the trust. <laughs> because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. <laughs> you don't have to fear suffering when you trust that Jesus cares for you. You don't have to fear suffering that in that middle of that suffering, there's a joy like James writes. There's a peace. There's a, there's a care. God loves you. And this is why Paul, the one who was the persecutor, allowed himself to be persecuted. And listen to his words that he encourages the church in Rome. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, through your trust, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith, by trust into this grace in which we now stand. (laughs) And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our, you say the word, sufferings. Church, the most challenging words that maybe a pastor could tell you is to embrace the suffering. Because when you embrace the suffering, you reflect the nature of God. You glory in your sufferings. Don't avoid it. Embrace it. Because if you avoid it, you're not gonna get what Paul says happens because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love, who loves you and cares for you, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul would use the same word as suffering that Jesus would use for trouble in this world. You're gonna have it. Don't ignore it. Don't go looking for it. (laughs) But when it comes, embrace it because it's in that gap that you continue to trust in him that you're going to discover something powerful. See, your trust in God's love that is given to you through Jesus grants you peace with God and the grace to embrace your suffering. So don't fear it, embrace it. And watch God do something amazing through you. This is why we need the church family. We wanna be a church family that helps you have a faith that cannot be shaken. And there are two ways that I believe that a faith will not be shaken. One is through scripture. We have to know the scripture. That's why I invite you to join us in this 40 day reading plan. And the second thing we need in our life is a community around us. And that's why I'm gonna open this up. And if you don't have a life group, if you don't have a group, there are groups around you on this side of the room. There are groups that are gonna be doing one, uh, the one groups as we watch the gospel, uh, sections of the gospel of Jesus together. On this side, your left. And on this side of the room, there are other groups that are open right now. And this is what I encourage you to do. If, if you wanna start a group with somebody, I encourage you to start a group with someone. Get that. We have all the resources on the app or on our website. You can do it together. This is why you need scripture. And this is why you need a community around you because you need to have the courage to embrace those moments in life where you may have to suffer a little longer. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you for sending Jesus to give us the courage that we need. (laughs) Not just to put our faith in you, God, but to trust you in those moments when we don't get what we want or we think we deserve. And as we do that, may we see what Jesus promises. May we have a peace and may that peace be a grace to us to embrace those difficult times. Difficult times some people are in right now, difficult times some people actually just went through and they wish they could have a do-over on that. But God, your grace is there and you wanna strengthen their faith. 
and give it for those of us who may go, some, go through something in the future. May we have that kind of faith that can be tested. And we don't have to fear the suffering because we can embrace it knowing that in Jesus we have a peace. <laughs> and that peace goes beyond anything we can understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Westside. Our prayer partners are available.